Good morning, good afternoon, or good night. I'm your host, Adrian Conway. Welcome to another episode of Rise and Pod. This is a conversation with Coach Conway, and we're diving deep into 23.2 A and B. Um, these are these episodes that I'm going to be releasing weekly as we navigate our way through the CrossFit Open. I literally want to discuss my thoughts, uh, my feelings on the workout themselves, the test, if you will, and the way things are shaken up and playing out throughout the course of the season. As many of you know, I've had an opportunity to get onto some broadcast and do some analyst work. And this is an opportunity for me to share some of the things that I might not get to share on the short hits on Rise and Pod, which are, of course, categorized as the Daily Rise, or also might not be the time and place for where I'm being activated through CrossFit HQ on a podcast called More Than Fitness. If you guys don't know, tune into some of the More Than Fitness episodes. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Apple Podcasts. And it's myself and others within the CrossFit space, within the sport of CrossFit. And what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do is bring light to some things that you may not know about either competitive athletes, people behind the scenes in the sport, and some of the things that are topical um, within our space. But of course, we know that CrossFit and the CrossFit Games are much more than fitness. And I really believe this has a wonderful time and wonderful meaning uh, with where we're at right now and where the growth and progression will likely be taking place um, from HQ and beyond. But nonetheless, we're talking 23.2 A and B. Now, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room right away because this is a two-part workout. You know, 23.2 A is straight up what it is. It's a metabolic conditioning test. It is an aerobic capacity test. Yes, there's a gymnastics movement in the burpee pull-up, but we run in, we move in. We are steadily grinding for 15 minutes. It's an AMRAP. If you guys don't know the sequence of this or you're not totally familiar with what I'm speaking of, the workout is a 15-minute AMRAP of five burpee pull-ups where you have to have the pull-up rig just out of reach, you can jump up into the pull-up. You can jump up, hang on, or kip your chin over the bar for the pull-up. The bottom line is, almost no matter who you are, you're making a large load travel long distance, and you're doing it quickly if you're moving at a steady clip. But you do five of those. Then you run 10 shuttle runs. One repetition is 50 feet. You'll do 10 of those out and back, 25 feet. Um, so it goes five, then 10 runs, then 10, then 10 runs, and 15, then 10 runs, and 20, then 10 runs, and 25, and 10 runs, then 30, then 10 runs, and then 35, and 10 runs, and keep going if you're really, really fit, but most people are stopping somewhere in that area. Now, the first part of this workout, 23.2A is fairly black and white, like I mentioned, but there are people that actually have a problem with the way that it played out. And not necessarily a problem, but they're saying, hey, at my affiliate coach, Conway, the bars aren't perfectly set up for my height. I don't think it's a good expression of fitness because so-and-so had a perfect bar that was just out of their fingertip rich and I'm over reach and I'm over here with a bar that is a foot out of my reach. I don't really have much to say to that except for sir or ma'am, put some mats under your feet. Go to a neighboring CrossFit affiliate that has a more specific rig set up for you or eat your humble pie, do the test and compare yourself based off the data that you know and that you have. Here's what we can't do. It's very hard for us as programmers. I've programmed some competitions. I know how difficult this can be to consider 0.02% of the community that is going to complain about their access to a pull-up bar. Get off it. 
and I'm talking to you. Whoever's complaining about the pull-up bar being slightly out of reach or more so out of reach, go somewhere else if your score depends on it that bad. Talk to your affiliate owner where you pay the fees to have the equipment that you use to not have a welded bar at a place that you can't adjust it. Or invest in some mats that go under your feet and you find a way to make it work. People. It's similar to programming a workout for the main site. There are considerations. There's scaling that must take place. If you can do the movement as prescribed, you're doing the movement. If this is going to affect your standing going to quarterfinals and you want to go to quarterfinals, you want to continue to compete at the next level, then you need to be resourceful enough and resilient enough to schedule an opportunity to go to somewhere else to have the access to the stuff. Okay? That's it. Now on to the test, the good stuff. Crew, this was an amazing test. Now, the, the thing that, of course, is a, a bit of a topic in regards to higher level competitors is this particular movement, this pull-up, it tends to penalize the taller athlete. When we talk about in the methodology from a functional movement, we categorize it as primarily an ability to make a large load travel long distance quickly, right? We want it to be an expression of power. This movement allows us to do that in droves. It's a great movement because of that. But a lot like other movements, when you're a taller competitor, more rangy, let's say someone that's 5'11 with, you know, the wingspan of some most average 6'2 people, that'd be me. Um, or someone that's legitimately 6'2 versus someone that's legitimately 5'8 or 5'9. We understand that height skews and reach skews power output in, in, a, in a myriad of ways in our sport. At least I do. At least I do as a coach. I look at my athletes and their body type. I know often who's going to have an advantage on one, one thing versus a disadvantage in another thing. I understand that even in a thruster, there's a natural inherent advantage, particularly if the thruster is at a lighter load and the workout is under a shorter duration. Now, I've got a friend named Brian Friend who put out an article, which I have yet to read an opportunity to actually dive into it, but I, I guarantee it's great content. And it's about how um, scores are reflective often of the height of the athlete, regardless of capacity. He might do some comparisons across scores, which would be wise for him to back up his information. But the bottom line is that, in my opinion, this is a great open workout. It's a great open workout for the data to be analyzed in this way, for the games maker, Adrian Bosman and the team, to be able to dive into these analytics and say like, wow, it is very clear and conclusive that this workout favored a particular stature. How could we change that in the future? It's a good thing that this didn't appear in quarterfinals with this type of high volume concern. If the data is there and supports it, again, I didn't dive into the article yet. So you guys, please don't hold me accountable to um, supporting this wholeheartedly or, or you know, negating it wholeheartedly. But what I think is really awesome is that the conversation is such where we need to understand where time is spent and where time is valued and where reps and effort are valued. When you design a test, you want to consider the taller of the athletes and the shorter of the athletes. You want their fitness to be the expression of which we measure and not necessarily their height and putting them at a disadvantage per se over time, right? Um, but the bottom line is that this will always be an issue in our sport. It's not standardized based off height or weight classes. So we've got to hope. And we've got to educate ourselves and be willing to experiment with the ways that we test and continue to hope that long-term, over multiple weeks, it will be well-rounded. One thing with this particular workout 
is that we did run. We did travel from point A to point B. We know that taller athletes tend to have more of an advantage when it comes to running because of their levers, right? And the distance they can cover per stride. So what we do in this particular workout is that we either increase the amount of running or we try to make them equal almost each and every round, the time spent running and the time spent doing pre pull-ups. Then you run it back or you test it with a series of athletes and you see, okay, where was the difference? What was the difference? Was it fitness? Was it their capacity? Did it reflect other scores? Or was it again, now it's running heavy so the taller athletes have an advantage and there's not enough burpee pull-ups. But all these things, just to give you an opportunity, will give me an opportunity to dive deep into this, is that these are all things that you have to be considered when you're a good programmer for a fitness test. No, you don't got to always think about it when you're training, hardly at all. You want the expression of power output to be something that maximizes the athlete's rate of return on where they want that time and effort invested. So that means wherever they need to improve, you want, of course, uh, the hard work or the fruits of those efforts to pay off there. Doesn't matter if it's different for one athlete or the other, as long as the end game or the end result is their improvement as an athlete. All in all, folks, regardless of the discrepancies of what people had access to, or if their fingertips were barely out of reach or too far out of reach, or if they were short or tall, this is an amazing measure for general fitness GPP. The skill set wasn't high enough, in my opinion, with the burpee pull up and learning it to be a limiter at all. Um, if you have an athletic background, if you are a fast student of new movement, you learn it quickly and you learn how to adapt to it quickly. If you reached failure or you started to struggle, you learn how to switch it quickly, right? Like all these beautiful things that are a part of competition were reflected, I believe, in this test. Once you hit the 15-minute window and you got as much as you possibly could, then you had five minutes to establish a one-rep max thruster. Now, the thruster had to come from the ground. You could power clean it. You could squat clean it. You could do whatever you wanted. In fact, the standards were so loose that you could get the bar to the front right position, squat it, start to stand it up, take a step to save a missed lift, take a step back to stabilize the load, but at no point could you rebend your knees intentionally to press under the load. At no point could you re-dip, right? A thruster had to be a thruster. It's tried and true. Now, I know what a thruster is. A thruster is the combination of a front squat and a push press. Historically. Right. Let's go back to 2011, the first regional that I ever competed in. CrossFit set a standard all the way from HQ, a span across all the regionals that went live during those three to four weeks in order to punch people's tickets to the CrossFit games that year. You couldn't move your feet at all. So once you descended down into that front squat, your feet had to be glued to the ground. And I'm talking the very slightest of shuffle was a big fat no rep. Like don't even drive your open so violently that you scoot back, glue your feet down. That was the standard. Now, here's why I like that standard. Because it takes the gray away. What we saw this year, particularly what we saw with Pat Vellner. Now, you know, I love, love Pat. I was rooting for Pat very wholeheartedly. It might have been his best opportunity to come through and win a CrossFit Games. Had him on an episode here to, to sit down with him and rise and pod athlete to athlete. But the bottom line is with the volatility in the gray that existed, particularly to put it out to the masses to test. And now they're going to have to watch thousands of these videos. I'm banking this is the video they ask for to show capacity for your open test. Could be wrong, but can, traditionally, this is the video they ask for from all the athletes that are advancing because the A and B, 
right? Like it's both. You get to breathe hard. We get to see your capacity and you got to put it together and do the lift. They want to see no edited videos and all that good stuff. But my point is, is that there were many lifts that we've seen on social media. You've seen them yourself. You're listening to this podcast likely that it's very obvious that if they don't take the step, they don't make the lift. So they shouldn't make the lift. Do the knees have to bend to take a step? Yes, they do. The knees have to bend to take a step. They have to bend to take a step. And now it's a judgment call for the masses to say, well, they bent their knee because they took a little step. And it's also for me as an expert athlete. Guys, I don't know if you understand this or not, but I could teach someone how to take a step to make a lift just because I know their triceps are feeling at the top. I've seen this. I can experiment with it. I could teach that in a day and then they can put 10 more pounds on their thruster, but do it and uphold the rules. We're cheating, but we're going to certainly make the best of those that are available to us. Would you not? That's called competing folks. Now, again, I actually do not support the ruling. I think the feet should stay glued. Once the knees get straight, they stay straight. If you bend them because you step back, no rep. You bend them because you step forward, no rep, period. If you don't like it, keep your feet glued down and learn how to do a thruster and start lighter. Yeah, you're not going to have the PRs and all that kind of stuff. And that's the people's feedback. Well, I love it because it helped me hit a PR. Just uphold the stand. Whatever the standard is, that's a PR that you're going to have to set for that standard. Then you can go back and say, well, you know, when I took a little bit of a step, that was my PR and it's a little different. That's okay. Hey, it's different. Every day at the gym when we're throwing down and we're training, we're trying to build the heaviest thruster possible. When someone makes a lift and they step forward in my gym, I'll be like, yo, count that all day. Okay. But when it comes to standardizing competition, where we're trying to find the fittest people in the world. Mm, mm, I think you've got to be very clear. People are such poor judges in our space that they don't know how to clamp down and say no rep or good rep for something like a chest to bar pull up. They don't know what they're looking for at the bottom of a wall ball with the hip crease below the top of the knee, not at, but below. They don't know how to judge a pull up with the chin at the bar above the bar. They don't know the difference or they're not willing to say no rep or good rep. They don't know how to measure if the ball hit the target or just above the target or what was the standard, right? So with all that said, now we're going to allow this gray area to exist with a one rep max thruster. Bad call. That's okay. We're not perfect. And I hope that this is a great learning experience moving forward. We see heavy thrusters. We see something like that in at a quarterfinal, at a semifinal. It will be different likely and it will be improved. Um, but those are my thoughts. Um, the data that we got from this event was really cool in my opinion. Um, I think that, you know, there are some notable things that we got to talk about. And first of all, and foremost, what's up with the leaderboard guys, I'm going to start with the men. Um, Jeff Adler, friend of the show, shout out to Jeff Adler and his team. Yo, is he just putting everybody on notice or what would you guys call this? Because right now in 23.1, he got sixth in the world. 23.28, he got 46th in the world with 181 reps. Sick. Then he went 312 on the thruster. That's good for a 60th place at this point. Now, these are still unofficial, but I want to say Jeff Adler is strong, but he's just under 200 pounds. He's 27. That's going to put him in at about that average height and weight for the men that compete in this sport currently at a top level. Um, it used to be that 180, 185, 188 was about that average weight, uh, but that's significantly increased over time. Um, these boys packing some muscle, you know what I'm saying? 
But for him to do this and understand that the strength bias that he has been able to exhibit throughout the years, but over the last two seasons specifically, he and his team have diligently worked towards improving his aerobic capacity, improving his threshold training, improving his, his gymnastics, and making him a more well-rounded threat. If he wins this CrossFit Open, to me, he is making a very loud statement for a very strong charge at not just a podium, but a victory at the CrossFit Games. Now, that's not my prediction. I'm not saying, yo, he's going to go win the games. Don't get me wrong. That's Justin Medeiros' crown to lose till someone proves to me otherwise in the opening to place to prove it to me. But it is a step in that direction. I can't talk about him without in the same breath talking about Tola Morakino. Now, Tola, if you guys have followed his career, was close to qualifying as an individual in 2021. Left his camp there with underdogs and a squad with Justin Coulter out there in Vegas to go to Iceland with Annie and the squad. Continued to further his fitness under Yami. Now, Yami knows a thing or two about building the base. Tola had tremendous skills with a barbell. Ridiculous capacity with loads. Ridiculous capacity and high-level skill. Also with gymnastics, which isn't spoken about enough. Now, he's a bigger body, but if you watch him move, it's elegant. It's effortless. It's toes-pointed, long figure, like hitting that hollow arch. Watch him doing muscle-ups. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. His athleticism is top-notch. He needed to continue to refine his engine, his motor, and cycling high-level gymnastics under duress because of his body weight. He needed to build some capacity there. Now, Tola is 27. He's about 207 pounds. What he showed has shown throughout this Open, again, 64th place in 23.1 with 277 reps. 155th place with 175 reps in 23.2A. Then, of course, we expected this of him, an 11th place, with 327 pounds on the thruster. Now, he is still an easy 118 points out from Jeff Adler, who's in first place, though. Now, I don't want y'all to get confused. In one week, at the end of this thing, we're going to see scores skewed a lot, right? But being at Tola is 118 out from Adler, we got another 111-point gap from him to Colton Mertens. Now, Colton Mertens is a unique athlete he's 25 185 pounds 64 inches tall he has a short short frame now we talked about a little bit about this brian friend put up the article about how how height made it made a very big difference in this particular workout my man colton mertens came out and went 88th on week one with 274. Then he went 58th in 23.2A with 180 repetitions. Moving. That's 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 moving, folks. But also understand that Jeff Adler, who stands five inches taller than Colton Mertens, went 181. So he bested his effort by one. Now Tola, Tola's eight inches taller. Okay. Tola is eight inches taller than Mertens, and he went 155. Now he's also heavier, right? Tola's 22 pounds heavier than Mertens, which which goes a long way. Um, but again, I'm just kind of putting this out there in regards to the numbers. 
And then Mertens, though, right, to equal his short stature and only weighing 185, my man thrustered 302. Okay? He is not small and weak by any stretch. Now, I, I can't go without saying, Tyler Christfell, I had an opportunity to sit down. There's an episode and a conversation with us, kind of diving deep into his history with CrossFit, where he came from, what he's doing out there in mayhem, how, how he dealt with the letdown of barely being outside of making it to the CrossFit Games as an individual last year on more than fitness. Guys, go, go tap in with that episode. Show us some love. But Tyler Christoffel is sitting in fourth overall in the Open. He went 61 with 278 in week one. Then he went... Uh, 172 reps in 23.2A. And then on the thruster, he went 317. That's 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 strong work. Okay. Um, 27th place there. But at this point, this is this is showing a really good output for Tyler. Um, he's focused. Um, I believe that this is all positive momentum for him, really going into quarterfinals. And I think that's where I'm expecting Tyler to. Look, if I'm working with him, let's say, let's now put myself in, 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 in Coach Rich Froning's seat for a moment, the goat. Uh, if I'm in Rich's scenario, I'm, I'm telling Tyler, like, look, the open's cool and the open's cute, but I need you to kill everyone at quarterfinals. And I say that because what I want is I want my athlete and Tyler to understand that when the quarterfinal scoreboard is settled, and we know where he's going, which is going to be the Northeast region, North America East region, um, or semifinal. I'm sorry. I, I want him to have a place in his mind where he is showing up to win the semifinal and take the backseat to no one, right? Because of where he uniquely has been throughout his career. He's been in the CrossFit Games on a team. He's been very close in the past to qualifying. Kind of a bit of a heartbreak letdown, in fact, last year that I need him to go in with the confidence to win so that that's what he's chasing and it's not a qualifying spot. That's not the question, and that's not the goal. The goal is to win, gold medal, top of the podium. Because when you have an athlete that can have that type of momentum and focus, and that's their expectation, and they have the capacity, and they've proven it to themselves at a few points throughout their history, he's got an opportunity to go, and even if he doesn't win, we're talking second, third, fourth place, where we know in the East they're going to get several up to, who knows, nine, nine, 10 spots. With that being said, hopefully he's still saving a little bit in there for us to, at the end. And of course, none of these standings are final folks. We got one more week of the open, which is going to be likely 25% of the score, unless we get two scores coming out. Then we've got Reggie Fossa. We've got Rolden Goldbaum. We've got Cam Crockett in seven. We've got Ricky G, Ricky Garrard sitting in eighth. And we've got Sam Cornier in ninth. And then we've got the young stud, Boy Wonder, Dallin Pepper, sitting in 10th at a young 21. Now, it's 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 a stacked field. Um, another notable thing to talk about is Tim Paulson sitting in 15th. He and Tolo Marquino make up the male version of Team Proven this year, who are going to be with Andrea Niesler and Taylor Williamson. Um, that's, again, putting the world on notice. When you are previously two females that competed with Sam Cornier and Rich Froning, and now you got, you're compared with two men that are currently sitting in the top 15 after two weeks of the Open. Another solid statement here, folks, um, on the team side there, at least in my opinion. Now, as we scroll down here, we see some familiar names. Jay Hopper sitting in uh, 29th. 
We got who else did I pass by? It's Scott Tetlow, 19th, Roman Kronikoff, 18th, uh, Jake Crouch sitting in 14th there, Andre Houdet, 27th, William Lee Hay, 25th, Chase Smith, 24th, uh, Norman Woodring been around for a minute in 26th spot, um, Uldis Openix in 33rd, Alexander Karan, 31. We know he's a mayhem athlete as well, Willie Georges, 34, Luka Ducic, 35. Uh, Jack Farlow, another young stud, also age 21, sitting in 37. Uh, could this be his year? Will Morad, um, at the at the ripe age of 34, Will holding it down for those who are on the cusp of entering the Masters category. I mean, Will has an amazing uh, background um, and, and an amazing breadth of fitness, to be quite frank. Uh, you know, standing at 69 inches tall, um, 190 pounds, he's a great runner. Um, I think he's doing some things in this in the sports of endurance uh, currently. So uh, to match his capacity that he's building, of course, and, and CrossFit and doing his thing. Uh, Chandler Smith in 43rd. Um, Sam Quantin, 47. Spencer Panchik, 49. Bjorn Carl Goodmanson in 50. Now, that's surprising, but we're going to wait and see where some of these names, of course, shake up and still finish. I'm going to go ahead and click over to the next category so we can get some more familiar names uh, because there's several people that we haven't talked about yet. Um, I'm going to continue just to, to scroll here um, as I spill my uh, my coffee. Um, let's see. You guys know who I'm looking for, and I haven't talked about his name yet. A guy by the name of Justin Medeiros. You may know him. I'm trying to see if I missed him. I don't believe I missed him. Let's go ahead and skew over to the next. Justin Medeiros. Now, after two weeks of the Open, Justin Medeiros is sitting as 101st place. This is how this plays out. 81st in week one. Cool with that. No problem. Easy day. 275 reps. He ain't peaking yet. He knows how to play this game. He's a two-time fittest man. The year before that, he was second. In case y'all know, he knows how to navigate this sport. His coach knows how to navigate his sport. Shout out Adam Neifer. We need to talk. I need to get you on this podcast. I want to talk to you. I love your brain. I love your history in the sport. This dude is one of the fittest to do it as well. Um, not a name that many of you are going to know, but a class act. Runs an amazing affiliate. We talk about an OG as the OGs of OGs, and he's not looking to be uh, front-facing in, in the front and the name that, that you chase after or follow. He's just doing his thing because he does his thing well, um, and he does it for the benefits of, of others and not just himself. So big, big shout-out and much respect to, to Coach Adam. Um, after that 81st, we've got a 92nd here with 178 reps and 23.2A. Again, I don't have a problem with that. Nope. And then you get to the thruster, Justin Medeiros, 23.2B. He thrustered 272 pounds for a 2,000th and 67th place in that particular event. Now, we know Justin is a fairly young man. He's 24 years old. He weighs about 195 pounds approximately. Could be a little heavier than that currently, but I bet that's where he competes about uh, when, it's, when it's time to really get after it at the semifinal level and into the CrossFit Games. My question is, is there something going on with Justin? Is he battling an injury that he's not making public? 
Did he roll his ankle climbing a rope? Does he got does he got something that's holding him back a little bit? Because when you think about it, first of all, I think he made a little post of it to his highlight reel. I saw this somewhere. It almost looked like he was gingerly running through the run, like hobbling a little um, during 23.2A. Now, I'm not going to judge that harshly because I know that the juice really wasn't worth squeezing running hard. Uh, we watched Roman kill it uh, running slightly slower than Pat. Um, I, I watched my athletes walk it and, and do better than the first attempt that they did running it. So uh, we were able to understand the value there and saving some juice. But when I see this thruster and even understanding that Justin isn't the strongest of athletes, his strength has come a tremendous way over the last three years. So I wonder, folks, if we're not seeing the best of Justin and not because he's not peaked, but because he might be dealing with some knickknack stuff um, that he's probably managing it, man, managing, excuse me, appropriately so that he can get himself right and keep himself ready for when it really matters. But I wanted to definitely go all the way down. I don't normally like to cover anything outside the top 10, but this men's field, there's just some names that are kind of lingering and low and you just always got to wonder. Are the athletes just lying in wait? Are they just kind of like lurking for when the points really matter so that their bodies can feel fresh? Because if you guys are out there just listening to this, and if you follow me, you probably know better or different. If you follow high-level competitors a lot, you know better or different. If you follow a, a training cadre or team that is trying to get athletes ready for the CrossFit Games, then you know better or different. But we don't just do constantly very functional movements at high intensities all the time right? In order to peak for a season, to get the most out of yourself when the time matters most, you don't train the same all year round. Now, when you're following GPP, when we're trying to do old school bread and butter CrossFit, that's what we do because you're just trying to be in a constant state of readiness for life. And slowly you can see great improvements over time doing this. When it comes to competing like a dog, like a savage, like someone who's trying to pursue human dominance and win money to provide for your family or others around you, maybe a legacy that you want to lead or the title fittest on earth, you certainly don't train like that. So Justin, depending on where he is in peaking, depending on where some of these other athletes are in peaking and where their priorities have been in the off season, we are going to start to see better and better and, and better and better outputs from them as the season continues to evolve. I digress. I wasted way too much time on a man. I'm sorry. Let's talk about these ladies. Now, here's what's not surprising. Mallory O'Brien leading the charge. Let's just be honest. Once Tia said she's pregnant, her and Shane were taking a year off. Then I was like, okay, cool. Unfortunately, this is Mallory O'Brien's year to lose the CrossFit Games. Now, I don't unfairly put that pressure on her, but it's a reality. If you've been following the sport closely and you understand the capacity that she has and what she's capable of, to me, this is truth. I expect her to win the CrossFit Games this year with the capacity that she's shown, with Matt Frazier and the way that he's prepared and prepared her mentally and emotionally for what she's pursuing this year. I believe that I like her chances most of any athlete in the lineup, and that includes the likes of Laura Horvath, Gabby Magala, Annie Thorostadter, Emma Lawson, Paige Powers, these other athletes that are making a charge to pursue the fittest. I don't think... They're going to be as refined and as accurate when it comes to scoring over the course of four days, the way that she's going to, um, especially the way that she's working tirelessly to fill her holes and continue to mature as a human. I digress. She's sitting there with, with 112 points. 
second in the first week, third in 23.2A, and then 107th in 23.2B. Now, we know she's actually not the strongest. Mallory O'Brien, folks, is only 19 years old. Let me say that again. We're sitting here talking about her strength being a limiter, perhaps. She just got 107th in the world on a strength-biased test. It was a wonder at max. Yeah, it was a thruster. You can argue that it's non-traditional movement. It's not a clean and jerk. It's not a snatch. It's not a front squat, not a back squat, not a deadlift. I don't care what it is. It's a thruster. It was wonder at max. She got 107th in the world. Excuse me? She's 19. That's a problem. That's a problem when she went second and third in the other ones. Oh, gosh. It gets me fired up just, just thinking about it and talking about it, to be quite honest with you. Um, with that being said, she's leading the way. Now, even cooler, another friend of the show, Paige Powers who really put us all on notice, not at Wadapalooza this last time. No, no, at the Atlas Games last year in the semifinals. I got to commentate. I had her on the show before it. I talked about what kind of momentum she was building in Cookville, why she went out there to train, where's her head at, where's her body, how's she feeling. She put on a show. Then she's going to show up at Wadapalooza this last year and win it like she did. Hello, Miss Paige Powers. You're second in the open after two weeks, three tests down. She went 18th in week one, 95th in 23.2A. And then she went 25th and with a, with a 216-pound thruster. Paige Powers is 20. Listen, if you're on the women's side and you're over like 24, like are you considered old as dirt? Is that how this works? Because this next gen on the women's side is just ridiculously making a very fast charge towards the top tier of our sport, and it makes me very uncomfortable. And, of course, ladies, you know I'm not calling you old as dirt. Age don't even matter in the sport at this point. Paige Powers, though, second place with 138. Then we got, huh, seems to be a bit of a trend. Emma Lawson at age 18, sitting in third with 181 points. She went seventh, 21st, and 153rd. Same idea here. Emma is growing into who she is as a young lady. Um, strength is going to be one of those things that will steadily continue to tick up over time. But she hit a 202-pound thruster. That was good for 153rd in the world. Again, a huge problem to the rest of the world that's watching this go down is these young ladies have the strength capacity that they do already because it's just going to continue to develop, and that's going to be the one that keeps pushing up. And once they start winning strength events, bye. Bye. See everybody else that's trying to stay close. Fourth place, Alex Gazan. Guess how old she is, guys and girls? She's 21. Now, I had the fortunate ability to be coaching an athlete at the uh, the Granite Games last year. Um. Speaking with Justin Cutler in the back, talking with him about this girl. He said, I mean, this is the first time Justin and I meet each other in person now. I want to say I have tremendous admiration for Justin, the way he coaches, the way he inspires, the way he's all in with his athletes. Love it. Love what they do. He was like, yo, this girl, she's going to be on the podium at the CrossFit Games. I said, excuse me? That's a lot. You guys got to think about the pedigree of him as a coach who he's worked with, who he's seen come through his gym. Kerry Pierce, he watched come from beginning the sport of CrossFit into becoming a podium athlete with him. He 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 worked with Danielle Brandon. He he brought he brought her into the the capacity both both physically and psychologically that she's in now and just before last year's CrossFit games when she made the transition to Matt Bruce over or Matt Torres over there at Bruce Strength and made the move to Florida. He works with Ali Scuds. He works with Kira Mulligan. He's got a squad. Tolomola Quino was there. Um, 
there's there's so much capacity. My point is, and I'm sure there's athletes that I'm leaving out. So so don't 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 judge me too harshly by that by that short list. But what I know is that he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And when he introduced this young lady like this to me, I was like, okay, I can't wait to watch what she does. She killed it. I know she got gymnastics as her background. She's very pound for pound strong, great puller. Um, I watched her make her charge to go to the CrossFit Games and put that lock on her spot with the run and the legless rope climb as a finale. When you watch a young woman seize the moment like that, that puts you on notice as an individual watching it. And you put together that he said that about her. I'm watching her execute like a vet. It's her first time at that kind of stage. I'm like, okay, she's going to be a problem. And now she's sitting in fourth in the world, two weeks into the open. Yeah, problem. 28th, 95th, and 67th, she thrust her 208. She got pretty long arms. Now strong, right? But I'm just telling you that at 66 inches, 150 pounds, give or take, um, she's going to also get stronger. And she's going to be a problem when it comes to gymnastics bias workouts too. As she continues to develop as an athlete. Then we've got Ariel Lowen, 29, just leading all the all the, all the the young bucks up here. And, and she's sitting in fifth right now. Um, we've got Zoe Warren. At twenty, at, at age of twenty-four, sitting in sixth, she's also from America. Back country, back back country CrossFit. She went sixtieth, forty-fifth, and one hundred fifty-fourth. Um, Oyana Moya, who is twenty-seven. Now she's out of Spain, so we will see what her journey to the CrossFit Games looks like this year. Ellie Turner, we all know, currently. Uh, operating and executing at a cross of Vancouver, Vancouver. I'm sorry. I don't know the whole scoop. I don't know where she will represent who she will represent uh, when it comes to the semifinals. I think she got to go to Oceania though. Um, so she's going to be competing out there. I would assume, but she's 25. So she's another mid pack uh, when it comes to like age and, and her development in the sport. Um, we've got Elena Caratala Sanahuja and she's out of Spain as well. CrossFit for friends. She's 29. She went 61st, 28th, and 189th. And what we're noticing is that it seems, though, from a point separation and differential, the women's side's much closer than the men's. Amanda Barnhart sitting in 10th. And I'm going to go ahead and mention that Brooke Wells is also sitting in 11th because it's 288 and 289 for them, point separation. They're pretty much there neck and neck. Amanda being 31, have been in the sport for quite a while. And Brooke being in the sport for a long while as well, but sitting at 28 years old. Um, Folks, we've got we've we've got a race. We've got a race all around, and it has been an amazing open to um, take in so far. Uh, the beauty is, and I'm going to say this, and again, really give Boz his flowers. I don't know what 23.3 is going to be. Commonly, I like to think that I got a little finger on it. I got a little point on what I believe could happen next. Now, there are some things. There's some movements in my mind that I think I think we'll probably see a triplet of some sort. Right, I would like to see a task priority triplet, meaning something that we have to finish for time. Everybody and their mama got to finish it for time, and that it is something that involves three movements. Um, the movements that I think we could see are overhead squats, could be with a barbell. I would like for it to be with a dumbbell or a kettlebell, single arm overhead squats. Um, we could also see some type of inverted gymnastics modality where we've got handstand push-ups, we've got wall walks, we've got handstand walks, perhaps one of those three. And then, of course, we could throw in a monostructural movement in uh, double unders as well because we've run, we've row, we've got a long chipper, 
AMRAP for time, or I'm sorry, AMRAP. We had a couplet with a monostructural and a gymnastics movement. Then we had a single modality uh, tester in the thruster. We went below parallel in the thruster. We went below parallel in the wall ball. Um, we, we hinged with the power clean. Um, these are all the things that I think about in my mind. I'm just making check boxes on the variety of the test. Uh, so that's where my mind goes. What could we see as we continue to charge forward? Well, we did gymnastics hanging from the rings. We did gymnastics hanging from the total bar. We also did technically a burpee pull-up, which is a press and a pull last week. I believe that it's time for us to get inverted um, if we're going to do a gymnastics movement. So we could be looking at quite a redundancy-based tester this week if we see something like overhead squats and wall walks. Ouch and uh-oh, right? Um, particularly if it's something that could be like a descending ladder of, you know, hey, it could be simple. Uh, 21, 15, nine overhead squats with 12, nine, six wall walks with 150, 150 double unders. I don't know. I like the way that we use descending rep schemes to keep the power output high and to keep the athletes moving. I like the idea that it could be pretty redundant based um, because we haven't had anything like that really come to fruition in this open where that was a limitation for athletes, local muscle endurance. And that would be a huge local muscle endurance uh, test here uh, if we think about finishing open workout 23.3 this way with perhaps overhead squats and wall walks together, let alone spinning that rope in our hands, which we know could be asked of us. But nonetheless, folks, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. I appreciate you taking a listen to this episode. If you watch this on YouTube, go ahead and click a like button for us. Get us trending up in the right direction. I want to start making an appearance here more often, get some guests on and start talking about some things that are certainly going to be unfolding uh, throughout the course of this 2023 CrossFit season. Um, Hey, we've got a great road competition coming up this weekend. In case you didn't know, stay tuned on that. I'll certainly be making an appearance on that myself. Um, and as, as we recap the Iron Games uh, or the Iron Game, and we, uh, we we talk a little bit about what happened back at the Rogue Invitational in the fall, but also where we're at so far in the season of the CrossFit season. Um, make sure that you guys stay tuned and all that. I'm sure you'll be able to find live on YouTube and then I'm sure they'll repurpose it and, and get it, get it cracking on CBS too eventually at some point, but nonetheless, um, best of luck to you guys in the final week of the open. If you got questions, comments, concerns, reach out to me. What should I cover? What should I talk about in the future? And of course, what's on your mind for the 2023 season? Who should I have on? What can we talk through? What keeps you engaged and what are some dying questions that you have to be answered? Nonetheless, good luck. Post below what you think your guesses are for 23.3. And most importantly, keep rising, y'all.